0: Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. This time on Compliance Beat, another request. We had a listener who had asked if we could talk a little bit about what exactly is monitoring and auditing in an effective compliance and ethics program. Um, And that's in the context of what I think the expectations might be from regulators and those uh, who follow the standards set out in the sentencing guidelines, those famous seven hallmarks, uh, one of which is uh, monitoring and auditing. As is always the case, I am very often surprised by the number of people um, who uh, live and breathe compliance and know this subject very well, who um, haven't really looked very closely at the sentencing guideline standards themselves. Um, I think it's helpful to sometimes uh, just take a step back and talk about what the standards are, what the expectations are. So when we're talking about monitoring and uh, auditing, Uh, I think very often the first thing that comes to mind is reporting, uh, a reporting system, an anonymous reporting uh, hotline, or the reporting process, the investigation process. And that's not really uh, what we're talking about with monitoring and auditing, at least not solely. Uh, So I think, uh, as I said, I think it's good to maybe take a step back and let's actually take a look at what uh, the sentencing guidelines, chapter eight of the sentencing guidelines actually say to start with. When we talk about Chapter 8 of the Sentencing Guidelines in the compliance context, for the most part, what we're talking about is Section 8B 2.1, which is titled Effective Compliance and Ethics Program. Uh, There are other parts and other sections of the Sentencing Guidelines, which we talked about before in uh, some of my prior podcasts, I had my Sentencing Guideline Confidential Uh, podcasts in the past, and I think uh, I need to do another one of those soon, and I I plan to because it's been a while since we talked about the sentencing guidelines, but today since we're talking specifically about monitoring and auditing, we need to look where that shows up uh, in the sentencing guideline standards, and where that shows up is, again, under 8B 2.1B subsection 5A through C. Um, but more specifically A. Let's go ahead and read that section. The organization shall take reasonable steps that A, to ensure that the organization's compliance and ethics program is followed, including monitoring and auditing to detect criminal conduct, to evaluate periodically the effectiveness of the organization's compliance and ethics program, and to to have and publicize a system which may include mechanisms that allow for anonymity or confidentiality where the organizations, employees, and agents may report or seek guidance regarding potential or actual criminal conduct without fear of retaliation. So the famous anonymous reporting uh, concept, that's where it comes in. Uh, It's worth noting that A, B, and C are uh, part of a list. Uh, They're not independent uh, um, statements, Um, but this is the monitoring and broadly discussed as the monitoring and auditing requirement. That obviously includes uh, the reporting system, the anonymous reporting system uh, suggestion uh, here. But that's not all of it, right? Uh, We've got three different pieces. Uh, And it seems to me the thing that I wanted to kind of focus on today is that um, of these three pieces, there's one piece that when we say monitoring and auditing uh, does get discussed quite a bit. And it's that C, uh, to have and publicize a system uh, that may allow for anonymity and confidentiality. Uh, When we talk about, uh, and certainly that's part of a monitoring and auditing program, uh, but it's not the only piece, and it's one of only three uh, separate uh, 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 subsections that were created uh, by the Sentencing Commission after careful study. And so it seems to me that uh, at a a minimum, we want to take uh, a hard look at these other two and make sure that we understand what they are. Uh, and that we have programs that reflect those suggestions and not uh, just stop the discussion when we're talking about a reporting system so part a is uh, to ensure the organization's compliance and ethics program is followed uh, including monitoring and auditing to detect criminal criminal conduct you take the, the organization should take reasonable steps to do that to ensure uh, that the program is followed including monitoring and auditing all right, so uh, our program must have monitoring and auditing and that's separate and apart from this subsection C which is the uh, reporting mechanism. So what is monitoring and auditing? Well, those of you who have heard me speak or, or are familiar with the Sentencing Guidelines know that we have uh, several uh what, what are called application notes at the end of each section in the Sentencing Guidelines or in, in, at the end of most of the sections in the Sentencing Guidelines. And those application guidelines uh, speak to and further illuminate what uh, the meaning of the uh, main sections might be. So when we uh, go down and take a look uh, to see if there is a uh, application note uh, for this subsection uh, B5, uh, we find that there is not. We, uh, the application notes stick, uh, skip over um, uh, subsection B5 uh, and we do not get further context beyond Uh, we must take steps to have uh, a system that includes monitoring and auditing. But I would also note that um, while we don't have a specific application note, uh, there is a section at the very end of 2B 2.1 or 8B 2.1 that's called the background section. Uh, It it it, it, it is the very end of the the section uh, after the application notes. And the first paragraph of the background section talks about uh, the legislative history of where the sentencing uh, guideline came from. It talks about Sarbanes-Oxley and, uh, but the second paragraph I think is worth taking note uh, when we're trying to determine what exactly monitoring and auditing might mean. As it states, the requirements set forth in this guideline are intended to achieve reasonable prevention and detection of criminal conduct for which the organization would be vicariously liable the prior diligence of an organization in seeking to prevent and detect criminal conduct has a direct bearing on the appropriate penalties and probation terms for the organization if it's convicted. In other words, you get mitigation if you have uh, taken prior diligence and if you have achieved reasonable prevention and detection of criminal conduct. So that is really what it's at the core of monitoring and auditing. We're looking to determine whether our systems are adequate to detect, uh, in the context of the sentencing guidelines, we talk about criminal conduct. But really, you should read, whenever you read criminal conduct in the sentencing guideline standards and you're applying it to best practices for your compliance program, read misconduct or read violation of our, uh, of our policies or procedures or our code of conduct. Um, the sentencing guidelines only apply uh, when an organization is being sentenced in front of a federal judge for violating federal law, so therefore it necessarily has to talk about criminal conduct, criminal misconduct, in the guidelines themselves. But but we're really we're talking about standards that apply to a whole lot more than just criminal, than mere than merely criminal conduct. We're talking about anything that's going to be misconduct that we want reported. So uh, that's a long-winded way of saying I think that. That's helpful for us to understand what they what the expectations are around monitoring and auditing, because the uh, this is all about uh, being able to have reasonable pre- reasonable prevention and reasonable detection of that misconduct within your organization. So, so uh, it's testing the 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 program, if you will. So that's what we have in the sentencing guidelines. That's uh, 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 the extent of you know, monitoring and auditing uh, as far as it's described in the, in the guidelines themselves. Again, over years, it's been my impression that um, the, the area that receives the most um, uh, oxygen, if you will, uh, in, in, when you talk about monitoring and auditing, is a, uh, a reporting mechanism, whether that's the anonymous reporting mechanism or reporting, a reporting system, uh, an incident uh, 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 incident recording and um, investigation process. Uh, it has to do a lot uh, about, uh, it has to uh, uh, apply a lot around um, the reporting mechanism. and not so much uh, part A and part B of this section, which is part A is monitoring and auditing, which we'll talk more about in a second, what those two pieces might mean. And then secondly, um, I, another one that gets looked overlooked quite a bit, which is B, uh, subsection five, uh, B5B, and B5B says that we need to evaluate periodically the effectiveness of our compliance and ethics program, so the effectiveness of our tools, the effectiveness of our program itself. Uh, and and that, that that periodic evaluation is not further described here but that is also part of monitoring and auditing so not just looking for misconduct or violation of our rules but part of monitoring and auditing is looking at our program it's evaluating the effectiveness of the organization's program on a periodic basis. That's part of monitoring and auditing. And I, sometimes that subsection B gets overlooked as well. So I think that's important to keep in mind. So if we're trying to get more context to what uh, uh, this all might mean uh, for, mon- you know, for us trying to determine whether we have an effective program uh, and whether our monitoring and auditing uh, portion of our program is effective, Uh, Where else can we look? Well, um, there are other places that we've looked over the years, including the FCPA guidance that came out uh, now, I guess about four or five years ago, uh, from the SEC and Department of Justice. Um, And then uh, uh, we've had various settlements uh, where the department has talked about compliance, what's effective compliance here and there. And other statements, public statements, and then most probably most recently and most uh, uh, specifically is the uh, now famous uh, February 2017 memoranda from the Department of Justice. Now again, uh, that's just the Department of Justice speaking. The fraud, in 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 particular, the fraud section of the Department of Justice. And uh, as we've discussed before, that memo tends to talk uh, about uh, components for a program and skew a little bit towards. Uh, programs that are looking to um, uh, looking at specifically at anti-corruption risk, but even so, um, that's the most definitive recent statement. Now, there's been talk. Um, uh, certainly, uh, uh, the um, uh, still Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein has talked about uh, codifying more of this material in the U.S. Attorney's Manual. Um, some. Uh, some of that may be ongoing. We don't know. It hasn't happened just yet. Uh, so we may have some more definitive statements down the road. But right now, um, we like to look at that memo from 2017. And so I want to talk a little bit about that and what it says about monitoring and auditing. If you haven't seen that memo, uh, I've talked about it prior uh, in prior podcasts, please do take a look uh, in the show notes at compliancebeat.com. Um, I'll have a link both to Chapter 8 of the Sentencing Guidelines so you can quickly take a look at that section we were just talking about but also have a link uh, to the 2017 uh, Fraud Section uh, uh, memo on uh, what makes an effective compliance program and the actual title of the memo uh, is Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs Um, This memo is, uh, uh, I guess it's how many pages long? It's eight pages long including its footnotes and it's divided up into 11 different sections that are uh, arranged in numerical order. And the section that I want to talk about uh, right now is section number nine on page six, which is titled Continuous Improvement Periodic Testing and Review. Note that it's not titled Monitoring and Auditing. Uh, if you look at the footnote for uh, this section, it does cite to section uh, b 5 a and B, uh, so those first two pieces, the monitoring and auditing piece and the periodic uh, assessment piece, um, does not it ref- doesn't cite to C, which is uh, the anonymous reporting mechanism or reporting system, and that's because under Section 7 in this memo, Confidential Reporting and Investigation, uh, that Section C gets its own uh, subheading. So it doesn't track the sentencing guidelines, the seven hallmarks of the sentencing guidelines directly uh, in that respect. It does uh, manage, it does talk about all aspects of the sentencing guidelines and it does cite to the sentencing guidelines. But if you're looking for monitoring and, monitoring and auditing as a topic heading, you will not find it. Uh, but what you will find is this continuous improvement in periodic testing and review section, which goes to what I was just talking about, which is um, the key here uh, is we've been talking about uh, taking a risk-based approach for well over five, to s- you know, seven years now, with regards to our program, going all the way back uh, to the discussion of a risk-based program in several of the settlements that we saw coming out of Washington, uh, from both the Department of Justice and SEC, particularly around anti-corruption, but also in broader contexts. And then uh, that was reiterated again in that FCPA guidance that came out a few years ago. And it's reiterated again here. Uh, uh, Taking a uh, risk-based approach uh, to evaluating uh, the effectiveness of your program is shot throughout this document. So the three subheadings uh, under continuous improvement, periodic testing, and review are internal audit, control testing, and evolving updates. So we'll go through each of these. Now, audit, internal audit is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, what the and, and this is all structured in, in the format of queries. So it's really easy uh, for you to take a look at this memorandum and just ask yourself these questions. Uh, when you're looking at the in, internal audits, um, Uh, participation with assessing the effectiveness of your program the questions to ask are first what types of audits would have identified issues relevant to the misconduct so it's assuming that there's been some sort of failure uh, there's been some sort of misconduct that's occurred uh, that was not captured by your program or not captured as you expected it to be and uh, the first question is, is is there some sort of part of the internal audit process part of the audit the regular audit plan or a specific audit uh, or audit process that might have identified uh, the issues, quote, relevant to the, the misconduct or the issue or the risk, I think, is the way to read that. So that's the first query is uh, take a look at the audit plan that your organization has in place and what, what components of that regular audit plan or periodic audit plan uh, have to do with the components of your compliance program and evaluating the effectiveness of those components, of those controls, of those mechanisms, of those Uh, of of a particular aspect of your program, such as training, for example. You need to take a hard look at that. Second question is what types of relevant audit findings and remediation progress have been made, or have been reported rather, to management and the board on a regular basis? And in other words, how is the uh, upper management, those responsible, ultimately responsible for compliance at your organization, how have they been involved in understanding audit's role? in assessing effectiveness so your first query is what's going on and do we have uh, pieces of our internal audit process that that periodically take a look at this and then the second question is uh, has the board of directors have the management uh, been uh, brought into that process and if there has been um, a component of the internal audit process the process that looks at, again, just as an example, looking at your training program, your compliance training program, uh, were those results communicated to the man- management and, and if there were recommendations as part of that audit, were those recommendations communicated uh, uh, and reported to the board? And then the follow-up question to that uh, was, would seem to be obvious. What have they done? What have management and the board, how have management and the board followed up? So if there have been internal audit findings that perhaps looked at, you know, again, training and determined that maybe you weren't training on all the risks that you should be training on. All the compliance risks weren't covered in the in the code of conduct training and the recommendation was to you know, investigate that and see if that could be cured. Uh, what, uh, what's been reported to the board and what was the board's follow-up to that? And then lastly, how often has internal audit generally conducted assessments in high-risk areas? Um, uh, that I think is, uh, that can be read a couple of different ways. One is again, from this context of this memo being produced, for organizations that are primarily addressing or are significantly addressing anti-corruption risks, and so high-risk areas, there might be uh, uh, business units or geographic regions that have high risk for a particular compliance. Uh, uh, risk. Uh, but whatever, how, whatever and however that's constructed is, uh, I think you need to look at the audit plan, the audit program, the audit review, and is it looking at the high risk areas uh, for compliance risk in your organization? That's really the question. The second area uh, under continuous improvement, periodic testing and review is control testing. And the query here, the first query here is: Has the company reviewed and audited its compliance program in the area relating to the misconduct? Again, assuming there's been some sort of misconduct, including testing of relevant controls, collection and analysis of compliance data, and interviews of employees and third parties. And in other words, uh, if there is concern about a particular risk, or there's been a failure or misconduct in a certain area, what's been done to investigate those uh, the, the parts of the program that should have been working where did the monitoring go wrong in another word so we don't talk about monitoring at all in this particular memo but I, you know that's going to be one of your con- that, those are going to be the controls that you're talking about here is your monitoring monitoring controls you missed it why did you miss it were you looking for the wrong things how can you fix it in the future and what data did you collect who did you talk to um and uh what testing has been done of the systems, the tools that are in place uh, to the extent that testing can be done uh, to determine their effectiveness. Um, the second query is related. To the first, how were the results from that inquiry uh, reported? And, uh, and action items tracked. In other words, once you determine that there were potentially issues or remediation that could happen with those controls, what was the follow-up? Be prepared to discuss that, have a system in place, a methodology by which you do follow that up. And uh, then the last query is uh, what control testing has the company generally undertaking? undertaken? And again, this is control testing in in the context of compliance risk. So, what's out there? And maybe you're doing it within the compliance program, but maybe audits doing it. Maybe uh, other parts of your organization are, are there's some overlap uh, with uh, HR or security or uh safety uh, uh in, in many organizations what's going on what kind of control testing is going on and how does that relate to, to your program and maybe something you can adapt and and uh certainly you need to at least have vision on it and then lastly uh, what uh, they char- characterize in this memo as evolving updates how often has the company updated its risk assessment and reviewed its company compliance policies procedures and practices this is that uh section uh f- Section B5B. This is that one that I talked about a few minutes ago that is very often overlooked. The periodic review, the periodic assessment, risk assessment, periodic uh, uh, assessment of the effectiveness of your program, looking at policies, procedures, practices, your program as a whole, what's going on. That's uh, what this is uh, addressing second query here is what steps has the company taken to determine whether policies procedures practices make sense for the business segments and subsidiaries and in other words uh... does what you have in place uh... fit with the risk profile of your organization now that you've acquired a bunch of new uh... uh parts of your business or you have gone in a new in a new direction or you've reorganized uh... your compliance program has to reorganize as well and that includes all parts of your program your training Uh, and communication uh, the resources that are allocated the systems that you have out there that are in place so i think those uh again you know it's a little tricky because uh we're not talking about uh, monitoring and auditing here we're talking about continuous improvement periodic testing and review but it really is talking about those first two pieces Now, if you go back a page, on page five of the memo, it talks about confidential reporting and investigation. So that's gonna be part C. That's gonna be that, that last piece of the puzzle, which is the reporting mechanism. And I'm not going to go into great detail here because you can take a look at it. Again, I'm going to post it. Um, and uh, I think we, we've we talked about reporting mechanisms in the past and and I probably will want to devote a whole uh, podcast to that in the future. So I don't want to spend too much time on the nitty gritty here. But basically uh, what the uh, memoranda looks for on that last piece is uh, the effectiveness, uh, the testing and the effectiveness of that mechanism. Um, uh, you know, what... Uh, what happens with the information that's collected? Uh, what's the process that's in place? Um, and then it also, the, the last two queries properly scoped investigation by qualified personnel. Well, that's kind of self explanatory. They're looking into your process for investigation and who uh, has the, uh, the, the responsibility for that. Are they independent, objective? Um, do they have the resources they need? And then the last piece um, uh, you know, you have the system, you have the properly scoped investigation. And then the last piece that they make their inquiries around is the response to the investigation. What's the follow-up? What happens uh, after uh, there's been an investigation? Um, uh, you know, how does that affect uh, changes to the program? Um, uh, you know, what, uh, what, do, what does the management and the board uh, do with those findings? Uh, so what's the response? What's the follow-up? And that's an important piece as well. So I hope that's helpful in kind of illuminating a little bit more about what we mean by monitoring and auditing. Uh, again, I, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I often feel like often, you know, 99% of the oxygen in, in, in that hallmark of the sentencing guideline goes towards the anonymous reporting mechanism. And you'll note I spent only about a minute talking about that here because uh, I think that's, uh, again, a topic that you can spend a whole half hour talking about at least. Uh, but, but I think it's worth talking about A and B Uh, What is monitoring and auditing on its own, particularly, you know, what's internal audits uh, role in evaluating um, and testing your program? And what should you be doing that part B to periodically investigate your program or have somebody else come in and help you uh, periodically investigate your program? That's all important stuff. So uh, as always, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. It makes a difference to, to us. Uh, please get in touch if you have questions or suggestions. Uh, this was um, a requested topic, uh, as was last week. Um, we really like to hear from you, and I do indeed uh, uh, put together podcasts based on recommendations. So if you've got some, please let us know. Uh, You can get in touch with us at uh, uh, compliancebeat.com, moreheadconsulting.com, or you can email me directly at eric at moreheadconsulting.com. Happy to hear from you. Uh, And until next time, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Morehead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moreheadconsulting.com.